0: Welcome back to another edition of Sports Tech Atlanta Seed Talk. I'm your host, Sterling Mack, joined on the other end by Taylor Mack. Um, Typically, we do this kind of this cadence of like stories, product of the week, funding rounds, we're gonna do a little different kind of here in 2021 or hope is at least um but we'd like to kind of the first part of the week we'll have a couple sports technology uh maybe highlights maybe a couple quick um stories or just announcements uh but then we'll kind of go back to i guess i'll say our roots a little bit and just just kind of chop it up from a sports perspective and uh, just kind of have a little fun with it so um the second podcast in the week will be the same format that you've um, I heard for over the last year or so where it's, um, you know, very sports tech focus. Uh, we'll hit, you know, two or three different platforms or, or stories for the week, have a product of the week and then talk funding round. So that all come in that like Thursday, Friday timeframe um, for those stories. So um, we hope you guys like it. Hope everyone uh, kind of likes a new format. Uh, definitely give us a little feedback. Obviously SteamAck on Twitter for myself, t- uh, Taylor by 29 on for Taylor. And we'd love to kind of hear that. So, um, with that said, from a sports tech perspective, we've got a couple things here. So, um, the first one here is the Sports and Fitness Industry Association, so the SFIA, um, is launching a startup challenge. Uh, We talked about it, it was in Taylor's 2020 recap, um, just where connected fitness is and was for the year. And, What they are going to have are they're looking for driven entrepreneurs who are changing the landscape of the sports and fitness industry with product, technology, or ideas. Uh, Founders will present their startup to an esteemed panel of judges, made up of sports and fitness executives, venture capitalists, and leaders from private equity. Uh, The application deadline for this is January 29th. So kind of about. Whatever, what is that? Twenty days here to get that in. I uh, wanted to highlight that, obviously, again, because of where Connected Fitness is, where fitness is moving into twenty one. So, anyone out there that is in the sports and fitness industry, uh, definitely check that out. The second story, or second quick thing from a highlight from a sports tech perspective, is Two Manager. I came across this. Everyone's kind of talked about this. How do you how do you do something very similar to Shark Tank and then? Put it into a format for TV or for IGTV or something like that, and um, so they found a way to do this. I'm actually really excited. I just wanted to kind of highlight this because I think it's super cool for people that are out there. Um, it's called Two Minute Drill. Uh, it's going to feature entrepreneurs competing each week for more than fifty thousand in cash and prizes. Um, it's going to be hosted by David Meltzer. Uh, each episode features four contestants who who have only two minutes to deliver their most convincing pitch ever. Um, super cool. It's going to be, I believe on Bloomberg television and Amazon prime. So check that out. I think it launches end of the month, either early February. Um, might want to Google me or check me out. What was that? Shark tank. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I I've always, I've, I've felt this for a while. I think, you know, you can definitely duplicate what shark tank does. I wonder, especially from an Amazon perspective, like if it's going to be on there, like, there's a real market of how do you package that and do that over like IGTV or YouTube. It's just super difficult when you're not in the studio to do. It's just difficult at this time when you're not in the studio, you know? So uh, definitely interested to see how they're going to try to pull that off right now with, with everything COVID. Uh, the last tier, I think this is awesome. I always try to find, um, you know, different initiatives, especially um, things that have come um, out and from, uh, what was the summer of 2020 and everything from a social perspective? So, um, Microsoft, the Green Bay Packers, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Milwaukee Brewers have combined forces to form the Equity League. Uh, the Equ- Equity League is a new impact investment division of venture capital of a venture capital fund for Tidal Town Tech. Um, I believe this marks the first time that the Brewers, Bucks, and Packers have partnered together. Um, If you don't know what Title Tech is, uh, it was announced in 2017, actually. It's a partnership between Microsoft and the Green Bay Packers that created an exciting venture studio and fund directly across uh, from Lambeau Field. Uh, They are now housing more than 20 new startups. Um, A lot of them beginning their operations in Wisconsin, which is super cool. So um, I'm going to read this is what kind of like was eye-popping to me about this. Obviously, we know everything that happened like in Kenosha, Wisconsin and things like that over the summer. So um, the Equity League is an investment network focused on building a portfolio of impact-driven technology companies and creating more opportunities for Black and Latino founders. Uh, Equity League has a mission of creating a long-term positive impact on society. The founding principle of the Equity League is that while genius is equally distributed regardless of race, gender, or zip code, opportunity is not. When looking at venture capital backed startups, only 1% of founders are black and less than 2% are Latino. On the investment side, just 3% of the employees of venture capital investment funds are black or Latino professionals. So shout out to them. I mean, it's, again, it's something that um, has needed to be addressed for a long time about opportunity and investment within, uh, within tech and great for Microsoft and all of the teams, their professional teams within Wisconsin of putting a stamp on that.
1: I got to go in the opposite direction, Sterling. Uh, I find it very ironic. This is one of those like to me, this reads off as I'm checking the box from the corporate standpoint, like we're doing some outreach. Cause let's 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 break it down. Let's let's break it down. We're gonna do an equity thing for minority founders and in, in minority startups in Wisconsin. That's like me saying, I want to have a United Negro College Fund. I'm going to start that up, and we're going to do that in South Dakota. It's just, there's not a lot of black folk there, if you get what I'm saying. That's that's the point I'm getting at. And it's like, it's cool you're teamed up with the Packers, you're teamed up with the Bucks and the Brewers. But why wouldn't you start with Atlanta? Why wouldn't you start with Charlotte? Why wouldn't you go with a more populated or densely area, dense area of, of more ethnic? Community of you know African Americans or, or 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 just different people of color. That's my only thing. I like where they're going with it, but I'm just like it, it, you're starting. But you got to gotta think
0: right because
1: Henson got pulled over in Wisconsin just for shopping, buddy. Buddy had the cops coming at him just for trying to get some jewelry. So Wisconsin is a little bit Wisconsin. I'm just just questioning a little bit. It Looks like a check checking checking the box.
0: I, I understand where your, your passion comes from there. I think what this is is a really expansion on what, what Microsoft and the Green Bay Packers have done, right? Because they had started Title Tech or Title Town Tech, excuse me, uh, back in 2017. Because of that, I think the feeling was like, all right, we've got this, this venture fund. We've got all these tech companies. Like how can we make uh, a social impact within our own community? I think that's the, the thing sometimes is – we get bogged down about like going and reaching and finding, all right, where's the most populous area for like minorities or disenfranchised people, mm-hmm. right? So Atlanta, Charlotte, Houston, something like that, right? Miami, New York. Uh, but then you are kind of forgetting about people in places like Wisconsin, right? I, I True, the numbers, right, are not going to be the same uh, from a minority perspective as it would be in Atlanta, uh, per se to tissues atlanta as it would wisconsin well, that's, but i think right. making an impact where you are right making an impact where these teams are i think is is just as important as it is doing something like in atlanta
1: no I'm, I'm i'm with you there but I, I would think it would be a little bit more genuine from my standpoint and I, I know they had to start with with the green bay packers but if that was really the case for me i'd be like all right so you started in milwaukee wisconsin all right then the next you kind of had a a, a partnership with something out in like say uh Omaha Nebraska you're going into these areas where you're more underserved for the Latinx community for the African American community and you're like okay well we this is the initial start partnerships that we're going to start up with we're going to go from there obviously i understand it's pro pro teams let's go you know find pro teams whatever in in rural areas and go from there so i'm just like it just looks to me from a corporate standpoint where can we who can we work with in an area where it looks good on paper and we also don't have to plug that much money because for those that live there, it's not a deep number. That's all I'm saying. But I like the, with the initiative because it is true at the end of the day, the numbers speak for themselves of the representation and the access that people of color have and being able to have their startups and being in the tech world and, and, and having that funding and that capital behind your uh, venture. So, yeah, I'm just, you know, I, I look at things with a, with a shade of skepticism. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things. Hey, know, I got we, the road yeah, on tonight. I'm feeling myself before I go watch this uh, this football game.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's a great transition. Uh, I was going to say, I mean, it's just like what we kind of highlighted with the NBA, right? It's it's awesome when you kind of put words to it or put, you know, figures to something and it's it's a cool press release. It's another uh, when you start to really make the action. Uh, so this will be definitely something that we kind of follow and update here on on Seed on Talk. Um, as Taylor kind of alluded to there, uh, who you got today, man, who, who are you
1: feeling is going to come out the winner here? Honestly, I respect Mac Jones. I respect Justin Fields. I respect, I respect Justin Field more because he he grew up right down the street from where we, where we are. We're from out in Cobb County, uh, the suburb of Atlanta. So I think Mac Jones has been spinning that thing. I think actually he, he could be a pretty solid pro. Um, not just the, you know, Drafted and immediately going to be a backup, like most Alabama quarterbacks are. Um, buddy, buddy can, buddy can sling it along with Devontae Smith out there. They said Jalen Waddle will come back, but I think that's done for Waddle. If he does, just go straight to the draft. Um, I got, I, I hope Ohio State and Justin Fields can take it tonight because a, we repping for the home kid, we repping for the hometown. So you know, go out there and do your thing. People were hating on you, saying you should have been out the first round because you had, you know, two bad games within this COVID season. So. Uh, two subpar games. I won't say, I won't say, you know, you can say bad. So I'm pulling for Justin Fields. I'm pulling for Ohio state and Alabama has enough titles. How about yourself?
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, personally. Right. I'm a big 10 guy. Um, just like sec people do. Right. They kind of pull for the, pull for the conference. So I'm pulling for Ohio state. I think, um, it's tough, right? The spread is nine. It's kind of gone between 10 and nine for the last couple of days. I think the difficult thing if we're being super honest about the game breakdown is like Justin Fields looked great against Clemson and he looked great because, I mean, if we're being honest, right, Clemson just doesn't have the same secondary or defense that they've had kind of for a while. But on the other side of that, like, I don't know if like kind of the same thing there. I don't think Ohio State secondary and they lost a lot. I think people forget like, you know, Y- Yudoku who went to the lions. Like they lost a ton of guys in the first second round last year uh, out of that secondary, and out of their defense. Jeff,
1: like, Jeff Okuda. Did I say his name wrong? Okuda? You, you said a Doku. This is not Sudoku out here. It is just Jeff. Jeff Okuda.
0: Yeah, that you're right. Um, and, and then the other one where I think that's where Alabama win. has a huge advantage where, you know, like you said, Mac Jones can spin it and I think spin it in a different way than we've seen from quarterbacks. And, you know, we could, I don't know if we want to get into the conversation about Tua and some of the rumors about Deshaun Watson going to Miami right now, but like it's Mac Jones is the perfect quarterback to play against an Ohio state team that may be not as good defensively. And the big question like you just laid out is can Justin Fields do what he did against Clemson against Alabama?
1: Yeah. uh, I think here's, here's what's going to change the entire game for Ohio state um no one has thrown to the quarterback if you're if you're the quarterback facing the field no one has thrown to the quarterback's right side of the field left side if you're on the defensive side Patrick Sertan has literally locked up an entire side of the field for Alabama so it's going to see it's going to be interesting to see who they try him with and if they go at him early and if they do and they have some success, then the whole playbook's going to be wide open. But if you're cutting off a third of the field uh, or half the field, depending on how they play a coverage, because they're afraid to throw at Patrick Sertan, that's a whole nother monster. Because if you watch that Notre Dame game, Notre Dame did not throw to Patrick Sertan's side. I was going to say not once, but I think all but one or two times.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, Trevor didn't even look over there. Or um, who am I thinking of? Ian, Ian, Ian Book. Yeah, Ian Book. Sorry yeah it's it's uh i think that's that's the other part of it right is um people are making that that case today as well like does justin stay in the pocket a lot today right right does justin stay in the pocket enough to make those plays or is he healthy enough to kind of get out and be be that super athlete that he is
1: yeah uh we'll see we'll see what the ribs feel like i think um he'll have a painkiller before the game a hundred percent if it is feeling bad, but hopefully he had enough recovery and, um, and can be out there and just doing what he does normally without second, second guessing or uh, second guessing himself.
0: Yeah. Um, would you say you're taking Ohio state, you're taking Ohio state off of emotion. Would you
1: take Ohio state from a monetary perspective? Uh, I would take minus nines a lot. Um, I wouldn't, I I would go, I wouldn't take that.
0: It's It's, Alabama minus nine.
1: Oh, Alabama minus nine. I wouldn't take that either. That's, that's, you're just going to hand money away uh, to the, you're going to hand it, you're going to hand it over to the casinos. You're handing it to the house on that one. That, that is a. So you're uh, saying
0: you would go Ohio state plus nine there.
1: I would, but. What's the money line.
0: Uh, Or over under like. What's the just the numbers on it? Plus
1: two seventy five for Ohio State, minus three thirty five for Alabama. Two seventy five might might not be bad. Uh, I would honestly, I would just touch over under on this one. And that's and that's it. At seventy so five. Yeah, I would just touch that, and I take the under. Yeah, seventy five is high. It feels
0: high, but it's also like if they both get going. Because I, no I, I, I think I think Alabama can score it will.
1: They can. They scored thirty. What it's thirty eight to thirty six points a game. So you're right there at the line, um, pretty much. And so that's a lot of points. And it's the biggest stage. It always comes out like this. I mean, it'll be a shaky first quarter because everybody's gonna be nervous a little bit. Justin Fields will be out for the revenge tour, so he could come out like gangbusters out there and just you know be slinging the thing. So I would take the under because it's a championship game. Emotions. It's, it's the first time crowds are gonna be. Uh, actual factor for both of these teams all year. So I, I think people kind of forget about that. It's going to be good weather. It's Miami a little bit cool from what I've, from what I've seen, but really if you think about it, yeah, first time you've had an actual crowd, um, cause it was limited attendance in Indiana and Miami's had it structured all season from a dolphins game in Miami hurricanes game to have as many as, as many fans as they can, but at a socially distance level. And obviously they're going to, they're going to squeeze in a little bit more tonight. So, um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a good game. How about yeah. what are you what are you thinking from the from the betting perspective?
0: Yeah, I think um, I'm kind of with you in the over under. I think 75 is just one of those where I mean maybe it's a shootout, but I also think there's going to be there's just going to be some natural stops, some natural like you know guys are a little tight, you know what I mean? And um, so typically games like this kind of like get out to this um, get out to that slow start. I also though would take. I don't think. I think Alabama is going to win, but I don't think they win by more than a touchdown.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, if anybody wins, it'll be by three or four, um, something like that. But I, I'm yeah. hoping Ohio State can pull it out. I think. Yeah, I don't. Th-
0: I I don't think it'll be a blowout, but you know, you never, you never know. Um, but we'll see. Excited to watch that here. Hope uh, again. I'm rooting for the Big Ten here. Uh, what did you think about last night? What did you think? I guess first and foremost, right? Like we're going to continue to see Baker Mayfield on a ton of commercials. Oh,
1: well, of course, his commercials are hilarious.
0: They actually are. People try to hate on it. His commercials are great.
1: Yeah, they're good commercials. If you're hating on it, you're just hating on yourself. And you're you're just trying to very hard, hard to not, not admit. And you're trying too hard to not admit that they they're enjoyable. It's a family friendly, you know, not it's not borderline to the to the cheesy in some aspects, you know, you know. but the I think it, one it's is, funny. Like, To
0: me, the best one is the book club one.
1: Oh yeah. That is the
0: security one.
1: I like security. I I like the, um, you know, they're having a, he's going to have people over and then it starts raining and he's asking for help to, to cover up all the seats. And obviously it's a 70,000 seat stadium, but it's his home. So yeah, I think they're funny, but on, on last night's game, I think we saw possibly the the end to big ben i think they'll probably obviously he's going to come back but i think you draft a quarterback and then you, you allow ben to um slowly hand the reins over next year um to the new quarterback after you know he sits for like the first half of the year but i think that's the only thing that makes sense for that team because it's time um and a lot of defensive breakdowns that, that, that I saw, you know, from Twitter standpoint as people have run through some plays, it's just, it, it, it's a regime change that might need to, that might need to turn over. Unfortunately, you know um, he's with Tomlin being one of the most successful black coaches in the history of the NFL, especially with his consistency year in and year out. But uh, I think you kind of hit the Mark Richt effect a little bit with, you know what you're going to get like, like Georgia fans used to know we're going to have a 10 win season and go to the Outback Bowl. So you know you're going to have uh, an 11, maybe 10-win 10, 10 season as well. Go to the playoffs, and – I mean, they had 12 wins this year. But go to the playoffs and then hope to win that either divisional game or wild card game.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at it, their last two um, <clears throat> two games at home in the playoffs against the, um, the Jaguars and now the Browns, right? They're getting up over 40 points. Um, just not what you are accustomed to from a Steelers team, especially like a Steelers defense. Um, I think the big Ben part is, is really interesting, right? So from a like roster signing base perspective and then his restructure. So his cap hit just total, all those numbers together is $41.2 million, which is wow. And then if you just get off of it, right? It's twenty two point two to get to do that. So twenty two point two from a dead cap uh, perspective. So, um, yeah, it, it felt like it. You saw him kind of crying on the sideline, and him and Pouncy, who've been together for a decade, here, um, kind of sitting on the on the bench there after the game. Tough scene to kind of see uh, that that feeling of. The finality—we always talk about the finite time that you have to play and be an athlete. Uh, obviously, Ben's done it for a long time here. He'll be forty next year. Um, or no, excuse me. I think he'll be thirty-nine next year. So, um, but yeah, tough. I, I think tough for the Steelers too, where they've they've dominated this division and continue to dominate this division. But feels like they cannot get over the hump in the playoffs. Is that to your point? Is that a little bit of Tomlin? I thought Tomlin was terrible last night um like you just said he's been one of the most successful black coaches uh here for over a decade and a half but at some point there i mean not to not go for it there at the beginning of the fourth quarter just felt just super strange regardless of like different analytic points like you had a little bit of momentum you're down i think at that point 12 or 13 points um and you've got the ball just, just before midfield and to not go forward on fourth and one, obviously giving the ball back, they, the Browns go down and score. And that pretty much was the game there. So um, yeah, just, uh, it feels like it. It's also one of those tough things where, you know, like you said, with Mark Rick, like Kirby's come in, I'll use the Georgia example you gave, like Kirby's come in and they're also they're kind of in the same place, you know? Um, so it's almost like damned if you do, damned if you don't type of a thing. I, the the right. big question I think for the Steelers, if they get off of uh, Tomlin, would be who can you replace him? I mean, they've they've had coaches be there for long ten years. Who do you feel comfortable with replacing him with that's going to be there for the next decade, decade plus?
1: Right, and I that is the part where you say there's no – honest answer, there's nobody to replace Tomlin that will be better. Um, or at least come in and have the consistency in the first few years. And then next thing you know, you're in that endless coaching search and turnover like you're seeing with these countless teams. So I think the best solution is regime change but not from the the head man himself although a lot of people will always call for that but when you've had the same d coordinator you've had basically you know a similar approach on the offensive side you need to shake it up from your coordinator standpoint and bring something in that's going to allow these players to to, or you can utilize your players from the defensive end at a a better at a better rate and put them in a position to win because last night they were not put in that position but that's what i think you need to do i think tomlin does well. I know people like to bring out the fact of you know, A B was running loose, Le'Veon Bell, his personality. Um, then they try to make Juju out here dancing on TikTok as a problem. But if you really look at it, this man kept under wraps for however long it was the personality clashes from Le'Veon, from Antonio Brown, and nobody heard and just produced. Antonio Brown was getting his money, he was doing his dances in the end zone. Big Ben was, you know, setting the records ablaze by throwing in that connection. So he understands how to get the most out of the locker room by keeping and keeping a lot of things internal from it out, from from it ever getting out. So I think he's a a phenomenal coach, obviously a future Hall of Fame coach, and I think you allow him to set the stage with a new um, coaching staff or just his coaching staff, uh, but from an aggressive standpoint, that you know you can possibly see a successor from that coaching staff step up similar to what Tomlin had and rock from there. But they didn't
0: know that right. Going in. Um,
1: I, under Cower. Do what? Under, under Cower.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, cause Cower just kind of stepped away and Um. You know, they had a ton of success. I mean, obviously, I think they also, like, candidly, the Steelers are incredibly progressive, and um, I think they wanted to to be on the progressive side from a head coaching perspective. So Tama was, like, maybe perfect. to He was he was in the right position at the right time. But in the same sense, like, I don't think they expected coward at the time to step down.
1: Probably not. But you – I think I – think I mean, Tama was, like, the coach in waiting,
0: kind of, right? Yeah, but, like, right.
1: But – Regardless, at the end of the day, Tom Tomlin came through for them, and immediately, yeah. immediately as well. So, I think you do something similar. Um, you can either let Tomlin, you know, ride out. He's been, in, you know, this, the same coach for 13 years, and, um, and you kind of go from there. But yeah, that was a, a good game for the Browns, and people are going to say the the Chiefs are going to come in and blow them out. But you know, the Chiefs' defense is playing better. Do they stop everybody? No. Sometimes they can't even stop a nosebleed. And it actually could be a very exciting game. I think that's a game where you say 79 as an over, 78 as an over, like they say for the national championship game. And I think that would actually stand up because there's going to be a lot of points scored next week.
0: I do too. I think the only thing sometimes with Baker is that he's going to, he's, he might make that one kind of bad decision that kind of snowballs everything. And they, they get away from the run sometimes. Mm hmm. But I agree with you. I think I think there's going to be a ton of points scored. It's all about can you somehow figure out a way to try to slow Pat Mahomes down, which is um, a really really tough thing there. So, I'm excited. I mean, next week should be incredibly fun. I thought this week was, you know, was pretty good. I think the best game of the day or best game of the weekend to me was um uh, was the uh, Colts and Bills. And it, it feels like the, every game of Philip Rivers' career, he is down Four or seven points with a minute fifty left on the clock with no timeouts.
1: Yeah, just about. I th- I think if I can do a quick parallel between the two games. So the fourth and one was a big call that Tomlin gets uh chastised for because he didn't go for it. But I think he did the same thing that right. Ray- uh R- Wright did. I can never say his last name. Um, Frank Rick, Reich, Frank Reich. But um Frank Wright in that game. You know he goes for it without instead of going for the points mm-hmm. at the three yard line because both of these coaches know and they ha- you have the feel for your team you know your team and with Tomlin it was punt it I know my defense will stop them but it fell flat so he misread and misjudged it but he went with the gut instinct and in knowing what your defense can do and had had started to do and so that's what Reich also believed but then the Bills just drove the ball about all the way down ninety something yards and scored or kicked the field goal one of the two but got points out of it. And it's just like, do you take that that's where you play the analytical game and just like you know, you go for it on four for one because it's a no-brainer, or do you trust your that's why you're a coach. Do you trust your gut feeling as a coach?
0: Yeah, and that one felt different, right? It felt like they need points there, being and talking about the Colts there. Also, they had the right play. I mean, the corner's all sucked up. They're looking for Jonathan Taylor to get the ball, and the play was there. It's just a bad throw by Phillip Rivers. Um,
1: so yeah, I mean
0: I think the biggest play of that Colts game was the offsides.
1: Uh yeah, it was. Are you, are you talking about in the second quarter? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big play. It's it's the small moment. That
0: allowed them that allowed the Bills to go score. Yeah, that, that to me changed the whole game. Yeah. Um, I still don't get how there wasn't a fumble on the last drive, but that's that's neither here nor there.
1: It was fix was in.
0: Yeah, that was that was just to keep everybody in tuned in. Um, real quick here. Let's talk about the home team. Uh, the Hawks had this incredible start to the season. Now they dropped, uh, I believe, it's three straight here, uh, all games within the division. Hornets, Knicks, Hornets again. Um, what what are your thoughts? What are your assessments? Obviously, uh, Bogie Bogdanovich just had a, uh, a bad injury here, so don't know how long he's going to be out. Um, still missing Gallo. What are your assessment of the Hawks so far in the season?
1: You know, I'll just keep it. I'll keep my my comments quick. Um, just need a better offense run and just can't be, uh, you know, pull and shoot up, you know, from uh, from three like Trey does at times. But I think it just needs to be more continuity on the offensive side of the ball, which in, which in turn will get everybody else flowing to the game. That's all I got to say about the Hawks. That's all I will say about the Hawks until later in the season.
0: I think it's that I think it's also the fact that those guys are still super young. I mean, you can to me, I think you can start to really see the advancement and it's so tough. we put, we, we put it on these guys at 19, 20, 21 years old to like be super good, super quick. But I, I, I really can see Cam just starting to like figure it out and understand what to do. I think Hunter is a true like three and D type of guy. He's not a guy that's going to like put on the floor and do a ton of stuff. Not that he can't put on the floor, but you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. Reddish and Hunter are different in that perspective where where Reddish can really do some things off the dribble and off of the pick and roll. Um, Herder's been really good, too. I think the tough thing, like you just said, the offensive flow, John Collins called it out. I got all these texts early in the morning the other day when that athletic uh, article came out like, what's going on with the Hawks? it's tough. I mean, if you've ever played basketball and you're a guy that like just you want to like feel involved in the offense or like touch the ball, especially if you're as talented as John Collins is, uh, and you don't for three, four, five times down on the on uh, on the court, it's tough. It's also tough then to lock in defensively. But I think that's where my scare is. Is like their their offensive efficiency is so high right now that you have to. F- out how to get stops if you watch that next game a couple of nights ago or i guess like five days ago now like they just could not get a stop at any time right um and that's that's my scare as you go up against these really good teams and when you can't get consistent stops and you can't get out on the break you can't go do certain things uh, trey doesn't get going kind of getting that flow uh so that's my scare and i don't know how they change that with the current roster they have
1: yeah, I'll give you a better breakdown for him as I, I gotta continue to watch him, but I don't think any defense in the NBA right now is stopping anybody. It's like 120 points a game.
0: That is true. That is true. The Nets gave up last night like 127 to OKC, which is the worst def- which is the worst offense, excuse me, in the league.
1: It's an all-star all-star game every day.
0: I think also well, you gotta think too. There's so many more possessions in games this year, um, where teams are really understanding like Hey, I don't – it's also the – teams are still taking a ton of threes. Like I actually just watched a clip of like LaMelo throwing it out to Gordon Hayward, and Gordon Hayward took a two. Teams are just taking shots. And I've, I've said that for the last few years with this like revolution of threes. On one side, yes, three is more than two. But on the other side, take a good shot. You know what I mean? Um, or take the right shot for the right player at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, all that kind of mixes in, and I think a lot of teams are starting to understand that. And that is helping them have more possessions.
1: Yeah, I agree
0: um those are the uh those are the big sports topics we wanted to hit um like i said we'll do this format kind of like chop it up here um early part of the week later part of the week will be strictly sports technology and funding and things like that so we appreciate you checking us out here on sports tech atlanta c talk again that's taylor mac taylor mac 29 on that side i am steve sterling mac over here
1: rate subscribe definitely follow us we appreciate it we'll see you in the next episode